Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Coming to you this week from what is now known as Cornerbrook and Elmastuquake, unsurrendered territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Halibu Council met this past weekend. Catch the reports on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. It's still not clear what's happening with live streaming of the council meetings. Many councillors showed up on Saturday expecting their deliberations would be broadcast live to any member who wanted to watch. Staff did have a camera set up, but it was only a test. It's still not clear whether regular meetings will be broadcast or just the annual General Assembly in September. The next regular council meeting is on May the 11th. Two items for you on the podcast this week. Later in the program, we'll have an update on an item we told you about last week, the Seven Shore Nations Network Alliance, a new organization of individual Mi'kmaq bands and communities that want to operate independently of Halibu. We'll hear from Greg Jaynes, chief of the Burjo Band of Indians. But first, back to court. Next week, on Tuesday, March 19th, another important case regarding Halibu membership is before the court. Gerald, or Jerry Brake, was in federal court about a year ago trying to get his challenge against the Halibu enrollment process certified as a class action. The judge gave him the thumbs down. Now he's back before a three-judge panel of the Federal Court of Appeal trying to change the court's mind. Lawyer David Rosenfeld of the firm Koskiminski acts for a jerry break. The other cases heard in federal court, the Wells and Abbott cases, have been judicial reviews I asked David Rosenfeld about the advantages of a class action over a judicial review. Um, Judicial review will, will, should it be successful, will effectively impact an individual's eligibility for the ban. An action takes the decision, the rejection, as a fait accompli and says, well, they've been rejected and I can't change that but can I compensate them for the inappropriate rejection? And judicial reviews are the norm in federal court and actions and class actions, though allowable, are the exception. The judicial review is the bread and butter in federal court. I wouldn't agree with that. Ah. The federal court has jurisdictions for both actions and judicial review. Yeah, it, it has so ju- happens that particularly in immigration matters, there are a significant number of judicial reviews that go through the federal court, but class actions against the federal government are certainly within the purview and bread and butter of the federal court, as you suggest. Would it be fair to say that there are more judicial reviews than than actions and class actions in federal court? Well, I think that's that's definitely fair to say. Mm-hmm. It's the nature of the the size of those proceedings uh, and the individual. Uh, impact on immigration issues in particular. Before Justice in in federal court, you were seeking two kinds of remedies. One, um, uh, declaratory remedies, declarations that the federal government had acted uh, and FNI 
had acted uh, unfairly, um, in bad faith, etc., and you were asking for monetary damages. And I get the sense that that Justice Zinn seemed to have more problem with the financial damages than the declaratory damages. I don't believe he had a problem with the damages. I think his view was the order of the proceeding um, needed to be in what he thought to be the judicial review, the, the question of eligibility in the ban first, and then any uh, monetary compensation thereafter. Right. And one of the points he made was that some of the – you were seeking a uh, class action uh, in which the members would could be all 80,000 people who had been denied membership in Halibut. And uh, Justice Zinn said, uh, well, some of them – might have been denied under the original agreement and principle. So uh, would that not make the class uh, overbroad? Yeah, then that's, a, from our perspective, a fundamental error in class proceedings. You don't include only those people in the class who are ultimately successful in the end. There may be people in a class who are unsuccessful, which is they are impacted by the inappropriate decision to apply the supplemental agreement. If that uh, wrong impacted their eligibility, then they would be successful. If that wrong did not impact their eligibility, then they would not be successful. But that's no different than any other class proceeding that needs to identify what we call causation, which is somebody did something wrong, but was my damage associated with that wrong? And no different than any other class proceeding. And that right? I that's an, that from our perspective, that's an error in principle. Uh, Justice Zinn did, and that's what we're going to argue before the Court of Appeal. Right. And uh, as well as uh, he he also was indicating in his uh, decision that uh, uh, Mr. Brake could get many of the things he was seeking in a judicial review uh, and that a class action was not necessary. So that would be another point for your appeal, I suppose. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm not... I, I'm not entirely agree with that characterization, but I guess the concept was that uh, these things probably should go by way of an individual judicial review hearing and process. Well, there have only been, I believe, four judicial review applications that I know about, and five judicial review applications that I know about from from this process. So uh, there are 80,000 people who got rejected, and if they all got rejected on the basis of what we what we alleged to be an unfair supplemental agreement. It doesn't seem like the whole population has been doing so. And so, I mean, fundamentally, I, I think what the concern and the divergent views between us and, and, and the court, the federal court, is that um, you, you, you can't decide eligibility and uh, damage associated with that in the same time. Mm-hmm. And we don't see why not. Mm-hmm. If you find that someone... Um, uh, was ha- was harmed by the supplemental agreement and should otherwise have been found eligible, why can you not then determine at the same time or shortly thereafter what the damage component would be to that? Yes. So um, you're before the Federal Court of Appeal on March 19th, and is that a panel of one judge or three judges? That should be a panel of three judges. And do you know at this time who are the three judges, or you find out on the morning of the 19th? 
I don't know the judges now, and I think you know further in advance than that, but I don't certainly have them at this moment. Well, do do you how do these things work? Do you are are you aware before you arrive on the nineteenth who are the judges? Yes. Ah. And um, do you, of course we've just had the uh, the Abbott case uh, argued in um, in federal court, which uh, I guess has some overlap uh, on the issues in the break matter. Do you think uh, that's a detriment? Uh, to you, uh, will the Federal Court of Appeals see that proceeding and say and think that perhaps the matters are being dealt with elsewhere? All right, so it, that, that's one of the main issues in the, in the appeal. Uh, firstly, I, I hope the Abbott case is fully and completely successful. Um, it's the same issue um, relating to the Wells matters that were already before the Federal Court uh, and were decided already. The issue is about whether um, those individual proceedings um, uh, can and should bind the entire group of people. And the key question for the Federal Court of Appeal will be whether a, an agreement between uh, the, the Attorney General of Canada and the Federation of Newfoundland Indians and um, the individuals making the judicial review application that they will proceed on the basis that uh, the decision will apply to everyone else, should circumvent the class proceeding, which by law binds everybody in the class. Yeah. And it becomes an issue where Mr. Brake doesn't agree with the decisions in those individual judicial review, doesn't agree with potentially the legal theories being put forward, doesn't potentially agree with the evidentiary record that's being put forward. So particularly in Wells, Mr. Brake does not agree with the decision. Mr. Brake cannot appeal that decision. The Wells applicants chose not to appeal that decision. And to suggest that Mr. Brake, representing the class and his arguments, are now somehow moot or been circumvented by a judicial review that he didn't agree to be bound by um, is problematic. And I think that's an issue that's going to be determined at the Federal Court of Appeal. How long do you think... Uh the matter will uh, go on on uh, March 19th. Is it a half day, half day matter? I believe it's been set down for four hours, which is effectively the whole day. Which is effectively the the entire day. Yes. Okay, David. Well, thank you very much, and uh, good luck on March 19th. David Rosenfeld, lawyer for Jerry Brake. The Brake case begins at 9:30 a.m. on March 19th before the Federal Court of Appeal, 180 Queen Street West in downtown Toronto. Nearest subway station is Osgood. Now, more on the Seven Shore Nations Network Alliance. It's an attempt to consolidate the individual bands on the island of Newfoundland. Many of them were active members of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. They became dormant after the formation of Halibut eight years ago. Can an alliance of Indian bands help revive the economy in rural Newfoundland? And what will be its relationship with Halibut? The Burgio Band of Indians is one of seven members of the alliance. I spoke with the chief, Greg Janes. Greg, tell me how you as chief of the Burgio Band got involved with the alliance. Well, it was through the initiative of uh, Chief, Ch uh, chief Liz Lasega. 
uh, she approached me and asked that uh, would I be interested in uh, joining the alliance, and I fullheartedly said, said uh, yes. And when was that? That was back in the last fall, I, I assume. I was I believe that was in October of last fall. Yes, mm-hmm. that's correct. The announcement says the alliance will, uh, and just reading from the uh, news release, oversee direct community-based programs, services, and economic development in all of the underdeveloped Mi'kmaq communities on the island. So uh, what do you understand will be the source of the funding, and uh, how much do you think there might be, and what would you use it on in Bergio? Well, the source of the funding will come from different uh, pools of uh, of grants and things like that. This is a not one stop shopping for us as a collective voice. So, if there is funding out there, and that we would be uh, part of that. Economic development for Burjo is uh, big on our radar. So, we want to be uh, have a piece of the pie, and hopefully, we'll get some uh, uh, seats filled here that for employment opportunities. Hmm. So your your understanding then is that the alliance would get the funding, would be making the grant applications, and you and Bergio, as um, as a member of the alliance, would get part of that funding that would be obtained by the alliance, and that uh, people in Bergio would not have had to be spending time uh, making it the grant applications, for example. That's exactly how I understand it. Yes, way. And uh, in Bergio, how many how many uh, status people do you have, and how many uh, non-status people active in your band at this time? There are pro- approximately 300 uh, status card holders here in town. Um, non-status now that uh, that goes out of town and everything that that uh, quite triples. And so uh, there's a, a big uh, demographic of uh, Mi'kmaq people here in uh, mm-hmm. here in Bergio. Mm-hmm. In terms of economic development, uh, what would you see as the kind of projects that would be involved in Bergio? Uh, do you have a vision in your mind of, of what that would look like in real life for the funding to come through? Well, first off, we're trying to start small and uh, trying to hire a band manager uh, to uh, fulfill some of our uh, mandates as a, as a band. Um, you know, as, as you know, right now, this is all on a volunteer basis. So it would be nice to, uh, get someone in there, a band manager or, or a secretary to, uh, fulfill some of those, uh, some of those obligations, uh, that our band has put out there. And when it comes to other economic development in partnerships with, uh, with the town of Burgio, uh, things like that, we see op- other opportunities for development here in town, uh, using some of our core funding, or if we get core funding, that would uh, be beneficial to uh, the Virgil and 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 the Mi'kmaq people that live here. And are you thinking of uh, helping people start small businesses, or what? What tangibly um, would what kind of projects could there be to, for example, give people jobs in Bergio? Uh, we're looking at right now. Uh, the big thing on the radar is the um, is the ocean perch uh, that 
Halibu is um, engaging with Barry Group, and we see that as a, an opportunity uh, for some, whether it be through the meal plant or some other processing, uh, uh, whatnot. This is a big deal for us. That Burjo has been traditionally a uh, red fish plant. Uh, historically, uh, Burjo has fished that quota. Uh, so it, it would be nice to have one vice to come to the table with our concerns and uh, and have the um, Halibu Band membership to uh, recognize our voice. As you say, Halibu has, uh, is involved in a, as a partner with uh, Barry in the Redfish. Have you got any updates from uh, Halibu on uh, the status of Redfish? We don't receive any uh, updates on uh, on on that. So uh, that's that's disappointing. We would like to be a part of those uh, discussions, uh, but we are being uh, uh, left out of those discussions as is right now. Um, that's why we, uh, I, I thought, and uh, and the band thought that it was important to come in under one umbrella uh, to have uh, have a voice, a larger voice, under the leadership of uh, ex chief uh, chief Liz Lasega. So um, we we feel that uh, it's a win-win for for us joining this alliance, where where uh, collaboratively we all can have a larger voice in this. You uh, you've worked with uh, Chief Brendan Mitchell on a number of things on enrollment and um, and other matters. Have you had a chance as uh, chief of the Burju Band to talk to him about the alliance? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, the chief has been out this week sick. Um, I've been, uh, I wrote him an email and I have uh, called him, but um, no response so far. But um, our conversations with the chief has always been cordial and uh, and productive. So um, I'm looking forward to speaking to, to the chief on this matter. Uh, so that uh, I can dispel uh, maybe any fears that he may have, because this is a, um, a, a alliance that works. Uh, we want to work well with Alibu. Uh We want to be a part of uh, and uh, not not to be excluded. So I'm looking forward to speaking to the chief in the very near future. Yes. Mm. So would you say that? The need for the alliance indicates um, one of the shortcomings of the of the Halibu arrangement. Um, you know, Halibu, the head offices in Cornerbrook. You're down in Burgio. Your ward councillor is also the ward councillor for for Flat Bay. So you guys are down there on the south coast by yourself. So um, perhaps. Uh, the need for seven shores uh, indicates one of the shortcomings of of Halibu. Well, collectively, uh, having a uh, joining the other six nations, yes, is uh, gives us a, a, a larger voice, a stronger unity, and uh, so we see it as as um, a spot being filled that that has been void. Yes, absolutely, here at the. Here at the end of Route 480, that we are very isolated. Our war counselor we just met with, and uh, we had a uh, had a very productive meeting with with him. Uh, we discussed the alliance uh, in in brief, uh, but uh, for the most part, that it is seen as being a, a good thing for for Burjo and the other Six Nations. Mm. 
Do you think uh, you might have the same problem in the alliance as uh, as you have in Halibut? If um, uh, Liz Lasaga is in Flat Bay, if she's the uh, she's the chief consultant now, can I ask you what what is your is the expectation that she would be a staff person uh, once you guys get up and running? Because as any of us uh, who's made to completed grant applications uh, knows it's a it's a lot of work. So, uh, is it your expectation that she would become the staff person going forward? Right now, that is uh, vague. It's still being discussed. Um, uh, we don't know what it's gonna gonna look like. But if we can employ one person to work on our all BS, then so be it. That that'll be that would be a, a wonderful step. Uh, whether it be uh, uh, Chief Lisa Sager herself or 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 some other member, uh, working um, uh, together for the benefit of the seven nations, uh, yeah, that would be very beneficial. Mm. Um, and you think you won't have the same problem in the alliance as, uh, as you have in Halibut because you're still going to be on the south coast, and if it's Lisa Sager or someone else, she's she's going to be in Flat Bay. And then you might have members of the alliance who are over in uh, Central. So it's still going to be a very spread out uh, arrangement, even in the alliance. Um, we have full full access of uh, Chief Lasaga, and that at any time that we uh, we're in full contact, uh, actually, it's easier to uh, get hold someone in the alliance than it would be in Halibut. So uh, our communications are are wide open. All the time, that, and we um, uh, so we're, th- we're throwing ideals back and forth that all, all the time, uh, whether through social media or or on on the phone itself. Uh, but our meetings uh, will step up and uh, start to ramp up, and uh, as we get a clear vision of where we want to go, we um, you know we'll we'll find out at a later date uh, whether we can. Um, have someone filled full time. Hmm. So, what are the uh, next steps as far as the alliance is concerned? Well, the next step for us for for Bergio and that is to uh, start is to incubate and foster the uh, the alliance, and uh, uh, we're in our infancy, uh, so it's very important to uh, to uh, build on on what's what's already been been done. So our next step is to, um, uh, you know, give give some advice um, and and be in attendance when when those meetings are called. Mm. Is there? Um, I know there was a uh, a meeting of all the members of the alliance some time ago. Is there another meeting planned, or is the rest of it going to unfold by phone and email? That's right. The rest will unfold uh, by uh, phone and email. There was a, a meeting just a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, I wasn't been able uh, to be in attendance uh, due to medical reasons. But uh, but my understanding is that the meeting went uh, you know went really well. And uh, uh, with um, I did send send my uh, send the secretary that uh, on my behalf. But the, those meetings uh, will will start to uh, Ramp up in the uh, in the spring as we get a clearer vision uh, of where we're going. Greg James, Chief of the Burgio Band of Indians.
Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time is with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio. In Norris Point and Rocky Harbor, tune in on the Voice of Bombay. And in St. John's, catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.